Praise God. Hey, we're, we're in part three of our series, Afterlife. Afterlife. And, um, you know, uh, we've been in Hamilton now for about over 17 years. So we are Hamiltonians, and we're proud Hamiltonians. Um, and we love the Chiefs. They're so good. Uh, originally, uh, we're from Auckland. Don't judge us, please. You know, just we're looking for any. From, anybody else here? You originally from Auckland? Yeah, great. I'm, 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 in, I'm in good company. Anyway, so, and then we saw the light and we came to uh, the mighty Waikato. So it's great to be here. Uh, 17 years. And when we first came here, uh, we were welcomed in by some friends by sending me South Auckland jokes. Uh, it's an interesting way of being welcomed into our city, but I, I would love to share one of these um, amazing South Auckland jokes because it, it goes along with this series. Anyway, so he sees me this, this joke and I'm reading it, and, uh, and it goes like this. See if I can bring it here. It starts off like um, St. Peter, he's sitting at the pearly gates in heaven, and St. Peter he sits there and he, he lets people in. All of a sudden, 20 guys from South Auckland rock up to the pearly gates. And now St. Peter, he's confused. He's never had anybody from South Auckland turn up before. And so uh, he decides, I'm going to, I better, you guys just stay here. I'm just going to go check with the boss to see if this is, you know, this is legit. So he runs, runs to God and goes, God, you'll never believe it, but 20 guys from South Auckland are at the pearly gates. What should I do? And God's like, well, let them in. Anyway, two minutes later, St. Pete comes running to, to God and says, God, they're gone, they're gone. And God's like, all 20 of them? No, the pearly gates. <laughs> and so when I heard that joke, I, I was like, who would laugh at a joke like that? <laughs> and uh, it's really interesting, you know, uh, how, you know, how we, stereotypes, and we can have a bit of fun with stereotypes and put them in, in jokes. And so when we look at the afterlife, even when we think of heaven and we think of how, sometimes our, what we believe about heaven and earth are based upon some corny joke or, or some movie or some TV program we watch, and, and those, those influence our belief about the afterlife, which is why we, we begun this series. Did you, know, did you know that what you believe about death and eternal life will determine how you live? Did you know that what you believe about death and eternal life will determine how you live and how you are living right now uh, is based upon what you actually believe. What do you actually believe? What happens when you die? What do you actually believe? I just want to know, is, how many people here are over the age of 21? Just put your hand up if you're over the age of 21. Over the age of 21. Put your hand up if you're 21 years and, and under. I just, I just wanted to see if anybody would do that anyway. Just someone at the back on AVs. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> right? Okay. So all those who raise your hand who are 21 years and over, did you know that all those who are 21 years and over, did you know that you were born in the bloodiest century of all time? Did you know that? If you were born in the 20th century, which was last century, <laughs> you were born in the bloodiest century of all time. In fact, more people died last century than all the other centuries added up together. That's phenomenal. Roughly about 120 million people were killed at the hands of another person. 120 million 
people. Now, according to uh, British historian Paul Johnson in his book, Modern Times, he said one of the number one reasons for this huge death toll is is the decline of traditional religion, Christianity. In fact, when you look at between Hitler, Stalin, and Mao Zedong, between those three guys, they killed 60 million of their own citizens alone. 60 million of their own citizens. They're not going to war with another nation. That's their own 60 million, half of the 120. The other 60 million came between war. Stalin, Hitler, and Mao, between them, killed 60 million of their own citizens in the name of no religion. Because when you believe there is no God, there is no accountability. There is no reason to live with an eternal perspective. Because the bottom line is this, what you believe about death and its eternity will determine how you live. And the other extreme is also there. There's the other extreme. That there's some people, if you believe that if you do enough good things here on earth, they'll book your seat in heaven. And if, uh, if your bad outweighs your good, then off to hell you go. To the hell with you. <laughs> you know, that's what it is. And that's the other extreme. And, and, or maybe for some of you, you're here thinking, well, maybe I'm going to purgatory. Purgatory because... I need need to pay penance for what I've done here on earth because I've never lived good enough. In fact, some of you may be thinking that you're living in purgatory now because you're never quite good enough. In fact, one of the reasons why you don't come to church or you stop coming to church is because you felt that you weren't good enough. The purgatory is where you're heading. If you're looking for a title for my message today, it's the the title is purgatory. Purgatory. Does purgatory actually exist in I'm going to grab my trusty clicker. Does purgatory actually exist? And we've been looking at this diagram, uh, this biblical view. Uh, we've been tracking through this, um, this, what actually happens after life. What happens after death? What happened? And week one, we, we, we tracked the first part, the image of God and how sin and death entered into humanity, the schism that happened that separated us from God. We looked at the present age, the living dead, that's our, because when, we, uh, when humanity chose for themselves what is right and wrong, chose for them, we decided for ourselves not trusting God what's evil or good. We chose for, and don't we do that in our own lives? You're not going to tell me what to do. I'm going to seize for myself of what's right and wrong. And we find ourselves even today debating, am I male, female, or gender neutral? Because I'm going to decide for myself. I'm seizing for myself rather than trusting God. And that's our present age. And, 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 we, and we looked at that um, in this present, because of this schism of sin and death separated from God. We may be physically alive, but spiritually dead. We become the living dead. Zombie. That's right. Zombies in the Bible right there. Living dead. And then, of course, Jesus comes and gives us this gift of eternal life. And so today we're going to be tracking, we're going to be exploring the intermediate state. The intermediate state, that's the theological term, intermediate state, and more commonly known by pop culture as life after death. Life after death is what we're going to be looking at today. What, what happens when we die physically? 
when we die physically, what happens. And if you believe in the in purgatory, it happens in this intermediate state, in life after death. And purgatory happens in this place. Others believe in what's called soul sleep. Soul sleep, that when you die, your soul goes to sleep until, until uh, Jesus' return and resurrection. You go to sleep. Now, what's really interesting when, you, when we're tracking uh, with the Bible, although the Bible does use the metaphor as sleeping, as dying, but that's all it uses. Like when you die, this person, he's only asleep as a metaphor that he's, he's died. But it's never in reference to the immediate state. So nowhere in Scripture is there any reference to soul sleep. You can look for it. You won't find it. There's no reference to it. The Bible does not talk about soul sleep. So what does the Bible talk about when we're looking at this intermediate state? What does the Bible actually say? And that's what we're going to be exploring today. What does the Bible actually say? What happens to us once our physical bodies die? What actually happens to us? That's what we're exploring today. Well, this is your first time to church. You're probably thinking, oh my gosh, this is deeper. What have I walk, walked into? Uh, you'll be fine. Trust me. You'll, you'll, you'll track along. No problems at all. So when we do examine the Old Testament of our Bibles, the Hebrew Scriptures, what we find, there's a whole bunch of Scriptures that tell us what happens when we die. And according to the Old Testament, when we die, we go to a place called the realm of the dead. The realm of the dead. Oh, sounds interesting. When you die, we go realm. In Hebrew, it's the word Sheol. So when we, and in Greek, it's the word Hades or Hodas or Hades is the Greek word. In English, it's the word the grave, the grave. So according to uh, the Hebrew scriptures, our Old Testament, when you die, simply go to the grave. That's where we go. And if you're reading the Old Testament, whenever you read the word the grave, it's the Hebrew word Sheol. When we get to the New Testament, whenever you read the word the grave, it's the word Hades. It's the Greek word Hades because New Testament is written in Greek. Just a fun fact for you. But it's the grave, the grave. So when you die, you go to the grave. Um, what happens in the grave? Well, to be honest, the Bible doesn't give us much information about that whatsoever. Uh, all it says is that when we die, we go to the grave. Let's have a look at one of these passages in Job chapter 7, verse 9. And this is what it says. As a cloud vanishes and is gone, so one who goes down to Sheol does not return. One who goes down to the grave does not return. So here's this, this thought. that when you die, you're dead, you're in Sheol, you're in the realm of the dead, that's it. End of discussion. That's all. And, and, any other thoughts? Well, there's plenty of passages like this. When you die, you're in the grave, you're in the realm of the dead, you're in Sheol, that's all it is, that's it. But however, however, there is a handful, and mostly found in the book of Psalms, Mostly found in the book of Psalms where you get this glimmer of hope that maybe, just maybe, that God is faithful to his creation, which means that the grave is not the end. There's a handful, but it's there. There's a glimmer of hope that maybe the grave isn't just, that maybe we just don't end up in the realm of the dead. There's, there's actually more to this than that. So let's have a look in one of these passages, Psalms chapter 49, verse 7 to 15. I encourage you, go back and read this, this Psalms in context. I'm just taking it out of context just so we can get through quicker. So here we go, verse 7. Yet they cannot redeem themselves from death by paying a ransom to God. Redemption does not come so easily, for no one can ever pay enough. So if my friend just died, I can't go to the temple 
and pay for his eternal life. I can't do that. No amount of money can pay for someone's eternal life. Is basically what they're saying. Let me get down to verse 15. But as for me, God will redeem my life. He will snatch me from the power of Sheol. He will snatch me from the grave, the power of the grave. He will, so here's this poetic expression of hope. So the poet comes to the conclusion that the Creator is about life and not death. I mean, you can't pay for redemption. No one can but God. But here's this glimmer of hope that for the righteous, God would snatch them out of Sheol. This, this glimmer of hope, and there's plenty of scriptures like this. And so, um, and, the, and, and these are the pastors. Just, when you die, you go to the grave. What does that look like? I don't know. Just says the grave. It doesn't give us much information apart from the grave, Sheol. And if those who are righteous, those who, who have their allegiance with God, God will snatch you up with him. That's all it says. Then we get to the New Testament. In the New Testament, it's the word Hades. And Hades now comes, comes on the scene. And, and um, there aren't too many scriptures. Even in Hades, doesn't, doesn't give us much clarity as that as well. It's really interesting when we look at it. There is an interesting passage that we find in Luke chapter 16, verse 19 to 26. And Jesus is, is, is telling a parable here. And he's, and he's talking about... Um, and he's, what he's talking about is he talk, he's talking about the, the love of money here. It's a parable about the love of money. And most biblical scholars are, are in agreement that this isn't, Jesus isn't teaching on what happens when you die. It's not a teaching on that. He's giving a parable. In fact, when you read, if you, read, if you go back to in your Bibles, look at Luke chapter 16. He's giving teaching on the power of greed, the shrewd manager. Don't, you can't worship both God and mammon. God and money, you can't worship both God and money, you, you know, you, you, you can't be, and then it ends with this about love of money, and it's the, uh, this whole thing of Hades, and it's, it's a parable. Um, why does Jesus use this parable? It's because it's an idiom that his audience will understand. They understand this, this idiom. It's kind of like when, when I, when, when I tell, told the joke about St. Peter sitting at the pearly gates. You all knew I wasn't doing a teaching on heaven. I was using, I was using an idiom that we all understood for me to portray a point that I was trying to bring across. And so it's, it's really interesting. But, um, but again, this, this, this illustration that Jesus gives, gives that the grave, Hades, there's, a bit, there's torment in there. So this is the only place we find in the inspired scriptures of what actually happens in the grave. But then again, it's, Jesus isn't teaching on the afterlife. So we need to look at some passages. What does the New Testament teach? What does it actually teach? And there are only three Bible passages in the entire New Testament that actually tells us what happens to a believer when they die. You want to look at them? When I look at look at these three passages? Well, here they are. <laughs> here they are. There they go. Uh, three passages. Three passages. This is all we have, um, and it's not as clear. Um, we thought the Old Testament was vague. Well, welcome to the New Testament. <laughs> okay, so what do we have? So for those, for everybody, everybody ends up, what, we, what do we know now? Everyone ends up in the grave. Except for the righteous, those who are the allegiances with God are snatched away to heaven with him. Now we, the, now we look at these three passages, support this view. Uh, one of them belongs to Jesus. The other two belong to the Apostle Paul. 
uh, the book of Philippians and 2 Corinthians. The book of Philippians is this verse is that, you know, if I'm die, if Paul just says this, if I die, I'm with Christ. But, if, but for me to live, it's beneficial for you. And that's, and that's what Paul says, that when, I'm, when I die, I'm with Christ. And then we, and let's have a look at what Jesus says. In fact, let's look at this. Luke chapter 23, verse 42. What does is, what is Jesus actually say? And then we've got this verse, and uh, let's give a bit more context. It's kind of like I just took two verses, put it in there. It's like, uh, then he said, who said? Who said? Right? Okay, so give you some context. Jesus has been crucified. He's on the cross, the most painful death anyone can die of. This is torture to the, to the highest degree. Jesus has been tortured on a cross. On his left and on his right are two criminals. They, um, rebels, are part of a rebellion, crucified on both sides. One of these criminals say to Jesus, you shouldn't be here. We deserve to be here, but you don't deserve to be here. Then he said to Jesus, he said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And then Jesus answered him, truly I tell you today, you will be with me in paradise. And that's all he says. And it's like, Jesus, could you unpack that for us? Nope, I'm on a cross. <laughs> I'm a bit busy. <laughs> I've got more things, to, more, more things to think about right now. And that's all he says. And we wish that he could have maybe unpacked this a little bit more, that today you'll be with me in paradise. And the word paradise... The literal translation of the word is the garden. And, and, and so this place, do we know of a story in the Bible of a garden where God was? It's the garden of Eden, God's space. That today you will be with me in God's space. So when you die physically, we're with Christ. So this is what the New Testament is. So in the Old Testament, it's like when, we, when everyone dies, goes to the grave, those who, who are leaders of God are snatched away. And then the New Testament, now we're bringing that you're with Christ. That somehow, when we die, our physical bodies die, but the immaterial part of us is somehow sustained by the Ruaka of, of God, the Holy Spirit of God, somehow sustains our identity with Him in heaven. Our spirit, but, but that's not until the return, which we'll look at next week. This is, this is all we have. And, and let's go back to this diagram. To that wonderful diagram we've been looking at for the last three weeks. And so, um, as it, as it, here it is. And this is it. So, Jesus, today, today, you'll be with me in paradise. Eternal life now. When you die, heaven with Christ. Those of us who continue to, like, oh, well, thank you, Jesus, but no thank you. We don't want your gift. We continue on in our living death. And it's the grave doesn't give us much about it, but if you look at the parable that Jesus uses as an example, it's a place that you don't want to be. It's a place that you do not want to be. It's still vague what happens in this stage. The Bible is more interested in the age to come. So the, so the Bible is more interested. It's, it's, about not, it's about life after life after death. It's interested in life after life after death. That's what the Bible is more interested about. And we're going to be going on to that next week. So please, hope you come back. <laughs> okay.
So, I know what you're asking, right? Where does this word purgatory come from? Where does it fit? I'll let you know next week. No, just kidding. I'm going to hear it. So I couldn't help myself. So what's really interesting is this word purgatory. Purgatory is not a place. Purgatory is not a place that you go to. If you're part of a church that believes in purgatory, purgatory is not a place, but it's a process. It's a process, meaning that, that if, you, if, you, if you uphold to this, a certain church of this belief is that, that when you're baptized, when you're baptized, that's your password moment when you get to heaven. You're baptized in this church. That's enough to get you into heaven. However, because of your sins here on earth, you have to go through a process of purgatory where a painful process of you, of, um, of you purging you of all your sins, a painful process of purging you of all your sins, and then once you've been purged of all your sins, then, then you can enter into God's presence. Okay, that's what purgatory, it's a process. It's a process. Now, you can quicken that process by either prayers or paying some kind of monetary offering to the church. So you pay this monetary offering to the church, we're going to be giving buckets of purgatory on it, handing it around so we can, no, just no one can do that, um, to help you along. Help you for the next afterlife. And this is what, what, what they hold if you hold to this, if you hold to this belief, this particular belief. Now, now I know what you're, now, is it biblical? Do we find this in the Bible? Does the Bible actually say anything or talk about the process of purgatory? Well, the Bible actually doesn't talk about that at all. In fact, there is no scriptural reference anywhere. Nowhere in Jewish scripture, which we call the Hebrew Bible, what we call the Old Testament, nowhere at all will we find this teaching. So where does it come from? So where do we find it? Well, it comes from what we call the Second, second Temple Period writings called the Apocrypha. This is where we find this teaching, the Apocrypha. Um, in fact, actually, it's re- actually they, they get the teaching out of this from a book called Second Maccabees, Chapter 12, verse 42 to 44. Now, you know, if you love reading your Bible, I'll, I, I encourage you to read the Apocrypha. It's a great book. It's a, it gives us some insights of what it was like, what, what somebody in that period understood. It also gives us some history, what actually happened before the New Testament era began. And uh, Maccabees, I, I love reading the book of Maccabees. You, I encourage you if, you, if you've got time, you can easily find it if you've got it on one of the, the YouTube Bible app. You can, uh, you can find some Bible translation that has the Apocrypha in there. Read the book of Maccabees. It's a great book. Uh, however, when you read this passage in the book of Maccabees, uh, it's a stretch to get, to get anything out of it. So also let you know that the Apocrypha is not, the inspired, not part of the inspired writings. But they're useful books. They're useful, but they're not inspired. When we do look at the inspired Word of God that we do have, there's no teaching, no scripture reference at all to purgatory. In fact, what do we read in Psalms? What does it say in Psalms? Psalms 49 to 7, that you can't pay for redemption. No one can. You can't pay, for, you can't pay monetary off- offerings for redemption. No one can, but only God can. And he did. That on the cross, Jesus absorbed into his body all of your sins, all of my sins, into his body. 
And on the cross, he died for your sins, my sins. But three days later, he conquered the power of sin and death by actually raising back to life the resurrection, the power of the resurrection. He conquered death and he rose again. But the most important thing that you need to know, that you need to know, that you need to understand what we've been hammering from the beginning of the series is that eternal life and hell are not future realities, but present realities. You can step into eternal life now, or you can continue in your living death now. The choice is yours. And these decisions happens in the intermediates, uh, in the present time, in the present age now. It happens now. We need to make those decisions now before we end up in the grave. Because what you believe about death and eternity will determine how you live. How do you live right now? What is your life like now? You know, when I was a teenager growing up in Mangare, if you don't know where Mangare is, it's where the airport is, International Airport. That's one thing I used to boast about Mangare. We're the, we're the, only, we're the only suburb in Auckland that has an international airport. Although everybody bypasses Mangare and just goes to the airport, but it's still okay. I can still claim the airport. It used to be called the Mangare Airport. Did you know that? Yeah. yeah. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> little fun fact. When I was about 15 years of age, uh, you know, like a lot of teenagers, we love to have fun. I used to love roaming the streets of Mangare with my mates, my, with my boys, my homies. <laughs> and you'll get up to mischief, yeah, as you do, and just hope none of my kids are in here. Okay, cool, just checking, scanning. Okay, just get up to mischief, and, and you know what we love to do? Just love going to parties. We'll go, go one party to another, whether we're invited or not. We'll rock up. And uh, when I was about 15, off at this party, and the party was ending. You know when the party starts ending is when everybody starts going to sleep in different spots. <laughs> and you're like, oh, man, time to go home. Time to go home. It was like, um, now it's like Sunday morning. I'm heading off home. And, and uh, in Mangere, I lived in, this, in Mangere Central. And uh, Mangere is quite a big suburb. It's huge. And I was at this house on the outskirts of Mangare, which is a 40-minute walk to my house. And, um, if I, and there's this park in Mangare called David Longy Park, named after the f- uh, former Prime Minister David Longy. And if I, if I cross through this park, it was a shortcut to my house so I can get there quicker. And so I was, I was going to walk home. And, and as, I was gonna, as I was about to walk home, cross through this park, there's this niggling feeling. I just couldn't shake it. You know... Um, that niggling, when, you know, the whole thing, the hairs are standing up on your back. And you know, you know what I'm talking about here? You know, you see things like, oh, I'm not a Christian, I'm not, I, but you kind of sense there's something not right. And I decided, you know what, I'm just going to walk the long way home. So I walked the long, walked down Beta Drive all the way back to my house. Uh, the next day I get woken up, it's about 10 o'clock in the morning, Sunday morning. Woken up by my mum, she's knocking on my door, says, answer this phone. And, um, and just for those who don't understand, just get understand what, what this looks like, I had to leave my bedroom. <laughs> I had to walk to the phone. And there's this, this, this kind of handle, it's kind of big, it's a big round bit, this big round bit here, and there's this little squiggly thing connected to this 
other thing that had these little circle things with holes in you, and, and that's where you actually dialed. It's called a telephone. Telephone. So I picked up the telephone, <laughs> and I was going, what's up? No. <laughs> I was going, yeah, yeah, what, what's so important? You're waking me up so early on Sunday morning, 10 o'clock. Are you kidding me? And it's one of my boys, and, he, and he's worried. And he goes, oh, man, I'm just checking on you. And I was going, man, what's, what's wrong? He goes, man, did you hear? I was going, no, obviously I didn't hear. You just woke me up. What happened? And he said, there was a murder in the park. And the murder was at the time you left. And we just want to make sure that you're okay. And we later found out that the boy that was murdered was 14 years of age. He was a year younger than me. He was in the classroom next to mine at school. His sister was in my class. His sister was my friend. And it hit me like a ton of bricks. There could have been two murders in the park. There could have been me. Reality hit. You know, when you're 15 years old, you think you're invincible. Nothing can harm me, not even an army, but maybe my mommy. Sorry. I was, uh, I was thinking of starting this rap album. I was just wondering if... Uh, Nothing can harm me. Anyway. Let's bring back, let's come back to this holy moment. <laughs> and um, I'll tell you what, without no lie, I knew. No one had to tell me. I knew that if I died, I was going to hell. I don't know how I knew this, but I did. I knew if it was me, I'm going to hell. I, need, I knew my life needed a change. I knew that my life was on a path of destruction. If ever I needed a wake-up call, that was my moment. Three years later, <laughs> took me another three years, my last year in high school, I get invited to this youth group. I rock up to this youth group, a whole bunch of young people. What shocked me when I arrived at this youth group? I, this is what I thought. I thought church was only for grandmas and their, and their grandkids. That's the only reason you're going to church is because your grandma told, dragged you to church. That's why. And I turn up all these young people. It's my age. Hands raised. Singing. Singing in English. <laughs> so I went to an island church. And I was like, these guys actually want to come here? I'm here because I got dragged here. These guys actually want to come to this place? And, I was, and I'm sitting, I'm almost staunch. You know, as you go, you know, you try to be staunch. I'm at the back. I'm, I'm staunch. I'm too cool. I'm too cool for this. You know, too cool. And then the, the, uh, the, the, the guy who was speaking was a Tongan guy, and he was speaking in Tongan, and he was being interpreted by the youth pastor who was interpreting it in English. And I'm at the back, and I was thinking, this message is funny. I thought church isn't meant to be funny. I thought this, you're not supposed to laugh in church. And then they started worship. And they said, if you want prayer, come to the front. And I was at the back, because there's no way, I'm go- no way in hell am I going up to the front. And as the worship started going, God just began to touch this heart of mine. And I, found my, and I, I just found myself walking to the front. I didn't know why. I was, you know, I was very shy. I'm a shy person. You probably would have gathered that. Very shy. Really don't like being in front of people. So I'm up the front, and I just experienced the presence of God. Touched my life. And that was what I was missing. I tried searching for God. Honestly, those three years, I tried to be good. Anybody try to be good? It was just moving from bad to worse. Oh my good. Like I was good for one day. <laughs> and then I had to start all over. And then I said, maybe next month I'll try again. 
Through years, I struggled until I met Jesus. And you know what I realized? I've been trying my hardest. I'm trying my hardest to make my way to God. And then every, every bad thing I'm taking, I'm doing the moonwalk down and every step up. And then I'm doing three, four, five steps back and I'm feeling, what's the use? Then I realized it was never about stepping up to some stairs. There's, there's a stairs there. there. There are stairs there. But it's not for you. You know what it was for? It was for, it's for because God steps down into humanity right where you are, right in your place, wherever you are. He steps down and he says, come to me, all you who are thirsty, all you who are tired, and I will give you rest. And I experienced the love of God. He changed my life, turned my life up the right way up. You know, the decisions we make now, they're not future realities, they're present realities. And I'm here today to tell you that there's someone who loves you, died on the cross for you, gave you a gift. Like any gift, you can receive it or you can reject it. The choice is yours. Heaven is for real. Hell is for real. They're not future realities, they're present realities. You can step into eternal life now or you can stay in your living death now. Choice is yours. I made that choice. Changed my life. You know, the tragic thing is uh, some of my boys aren't with me today. They continued on that path. And, my other bo- the other bo- and the ones that are still around are still doing the same thing over and over again. Still pray for them. Still uphold them. Still see them from when I go back to Mangere from time to time. For what you believe about death and eternity will determine how you live. As a pastor, I love doing weddings. What a celebration weddings are. And you know, what the, you know what the best moment of a wedding is? Not the food, I know. Some of you, I heard someone say food. Okay, uh, apart from the food. You know what the second best thing is about a, a wedding is? <laughs> the best thing about a wedding is when the bride walks in. Honestly, I'm standing there and I'm saying to the groom, don't cry, don't cry, bite your tongue, bite your tongue. Anyway, that's a little trick I give them. But you know what? What I'm still trying to get grips of as a pastor, what I'm still struggling with getting grips is doing funerals. I'm still not there yet to get grips because it's, for me it's sad. It's really sad. It's, you know, the problem is it'd be great if I just did funerals for, for um, but it's still not great, for elderly people. You know, they had a, and, and it's great, you can celebrate their lives, and man, there's full lives. And, but it's when I do funerals for, for young people. Unexpected. Unexpected. They had no idea. They, they had no idea they were, were going to wake up the next day or they weren't going to wake up the next day. Even on Friday, my first cousin, 37 years of age, went to bed, said goodnight to his mum, and that was the last time his mum saw him alive with Jesus right now. You just never know. Are you living for something that lasts forever? Or are you living for something that in the light of eternity really doesn't matter? What you believe about death and eternity will determine how you live. Come on, let us pray.